Well, we're continuing in Psalm 25. We're looking at verses 16 and 17 today. I'd like to read a little before that, though, from verse 8 to verse 17. So if you'd uh, find that in your word, and would you rise, please? This is the word of God. Verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Lord, as we come to your word again, we pray that our hearts would be ready to receive it, that you would be glorified as we act in faith, a faith which you began in us, and we pray that we would be teachable, and we thank you for this time in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> we have been seeing in Psalm 25, and we saw the last time, is two weeks ago now, that those who fear the Lord, in other words, who honor him, they honor him in, in every way, uh, they honor him in worship, and they worship him Uh, He shows them, according to verse 14, it says, he shows them the secret of the Lord, that which can only be grasped grasped by the Holy Spirit. He shows us basically the gospel, the covenant of grace. And those who fear the Lord are enlightened then, as they see the promises of the covenant, they are enlightened to the covenant of the Lord with them, and they live. They live in the knowledge of that covenant and the hope of that covenant as his covenant people and they seek to obey it as his covenant people by his grace. And the covenant through the blood of Jesus, which we celebrate at the table now, and we are reminded of every week, is only possible for us to keep uh, in him and through him by his grace. He must be our focus in this race that we are on, on the path we're to walk, and he must be our focus as we come to the table. And our commitment must be like David in verse 15, which is becoming one of my favorite verses right now anyway. Verse 15, my eyes are ever on the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. And when we turn our eyes to the Lord, and he is the focus of our thoughts, we learn, I believe, what it means to pray continually. You know, we're commanded to do that. We're to pray continually. And it's hard for us to fathom how do we do that. But as we turn our eyes to him, I believe we learn more and more what that means, to commune more continually with him, to pray like breathing, because our relationship with him is growing near. And then we seek him and his will and his grace to deal what we face. As I shared two weeks ago, looking to Jesus keeps us from looking at all that the world entices us to focus on. They want our eyes, the world wants our eyes, not on the Lord Jesus. So the world tries to draw our eyes away from him in so many clever ways. 
or that our sinful hearts cause us to follow and to look another way, or the evil one, and he tempts us to make others our goal. So this, again, is the reason we are commanded to pray in that then, so we're commanded to pray, then our hearts and our minds are turned to him when we pray. And we can rejoice in knowing that he is listening to our cry. He's promised that also. And we can experience his turning himself to us. I mean, he's always listening to us. He's always watching us. But the expression from David is meant for us to understand that he turns himself to us. The living God turns himself to us and we know again the joy of his presence. And David cries out in verse 16, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me for I am desolate and afflicted. So he asked the Lord in, in many if not most of his psalms uh, that he was led to write, he asked in most of them somewhere and somehow for God's mercy upon him. And he is here at the point of desolation. And desolation means an extreme loneliness Extreme loneliness. So he's feeling like he is alone in his distress. He is greatly afflicted here, and so he turns rightly to the Lord uh, to find peace and to find hope in the Lord and strength. And then he adds to verse 16, that prayer, he adds verse 17, the troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. And they're even bigger now. In most of the rest of the Psalms, this Psalm, he also asks for help and deliverance. And so the troubles of his heart have enlarged. They are bigger than before. They are bigger than certainly he can deal with, and he knows that. They are overwhelming to him. And he then asks the Lord that the Lord would bring him out of these distresses, bring him out. And it could be, of course, immediately that the Lord does this, or it could be a process. But either way, he knows, David knows, that the Lord is his deliverer in every case. He knows that the Lord can do this and has done this. He remembers. He has experienced the Lord's deliverance. He knows that he cannot bring himself out of these troubles without the Lord. And he can't, this is the phrase that Phil usually uses, he can't pick himself up by his bootstraps. He can't pull himself out of the net like I mentioned last time. That the net that entangles him. He can't do that unless he looks up to the Lord Jesus. And he rightly cries out to the Lord, as we also should. And I believe as David grew in faith, as he grew and matured as a believer, he cried out more and more quickly. He didn't wait very long without waiting so long. And may it be so for us. You know, how much do we struggle? How much do we struggle with to try to bring ourselves out of our troubles when we must learn to quickly seek the Lord's help. And so before I pray and we come to commune with the Lord at his table, I'd like to read some of the words of another well-known hymn. This is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. 
Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Let's pray. Oh Lord, how often do we seek to deal with the trials and sorrows of life for too long before coming to you, before coming to our strength? How much pain do we suffer without drawing near to you? When the troubles of our hearts have enlarged, when we are overwhelmed, it's beyond us. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you and you are able to bring us out of our distresses for your glory, for the glory of your name, and to make us more like you. And Lord, you are truly our friend and the one who bore our sins on the cross and who understands and bears our griefs. And we are grateful, Lord, that you have commanded that we remember during each communion with you your blood shed for us, your body broken for us, and how much you bore for us in your humiliation and in your pain and death. Oh, Lord, may our eyes be open to you now as we partake of these signs of your goodness and grace and mercy. And we ask this and we come to you now in the name of Jesus, our deliverer. Amen.